know, this conversation that we're going to be having today through James chapter 3, I just want to frame it up for us to kind of give us a, a little uh, helpful insight as we walk through this text. You know, this text is all about us walking in relationship with the Lord. That if, if you miss this, if you think this is about behavior modification, if you think this is anything else than just the Lord looking at us and saying, as my kids, I want to live in relationship with you. And he is inviting us, like this is what it looks like, to actually live in a relationship with the Lord. And we have to understand that from the beginning. You know, I was reminded of my sophomore year of college. I, uh, I did this youth internship. This was before Ethos was even planted. I was working at a, at a different church and I remember getting away one weekend with, with a youth group to this youth rally. And I'd been dating Courtney for six months, you know, Courtney, who's now my wife. And I remember, you know, leaving on Friday and, and talking to her and telling her bye. And, and then I didn't talk to her until we got back on Sunday night. And I remember having a conversation with her. And, and, and she was so kind and so polite about it. But she's like, hey, do you realize that you didn't call me all weekend? Like, you didn't touch base. I didn't know if anything, like, you know, do, do you realize, like, that is not okay? And, 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 she, and she said that, and I'm like, oh yeah, like you should probably do that with your girlfriend, like check in and just, you know, and, and I was so just kind of caught up in everything else was going on. And, and what I love about Court in that moment is that she wasn't trying to crush me. No, she was trying to say, hey, I, I wanna be in a relationship with you. But if you wanna be in a relationship with me, this is what it looks like to actually walk. It was this invitation, it was all about her heart. And you need to know that God's heart in this conversation is to invite you in, not push you away. And I don't know if you felt that as you were listening to the text being read by those three amazing women, but there's something sometimes about hard text that we just wanna keep at, a, at an arm's distance. And I think we miss the beauty of what God's trying to do if we do that. And so this morning as we jump into this, man, the Lord is inviting us into relationship and, and he says these words because he loves us. You know, I wanna, I want you to, 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 I wanna begin like this. Um, think about a time when, when someone spoke just words of encouragement words that blessed you immensely. Like, think about it right now. When's a time in your life where someone spoke and, and, and it just spoke to the deep places in your heart and it stayed with you? You know, maybe it was a friend or, or, or maybe it was one of your coworkers or maybe your boss or maybe it was someone in your family. Think about a time when, when someone looked at you and they said something that spoke to the deep places of your heart. And I thought about a couple of different things in my life. I was thinking about when I was in, you know, second or third grade and playing Little League Baseball and, and I'd spent the whole, you know, that, that year just, just thinking, like, this is the year I get to pitch. You know, it's no longer machine pitch, no longer coach pitch. Like, I get to pitch and, and I spent all this time with my dad in the backyard throwing and practicing and I remember showing up before even our first game and the coach was looking at me and, and, and he looked at me and he said these words. He said, Brandon, you're our ace this year. And he didn't say it in front of the whole team. Like, he wasn't trying to, you know, do this, but he took me by my side and he said, you're our, you're our ace. And there was something about those words where I realized, hey, my coach believes in me. And here I am, you know, this was, you know, nine or 10 years old, I'm 35 now, that's a long time. And those words still resonate in my heart. And that's the way that, that blessing, words of blessing stay with people. Or I think about my grandfather. And, and I remember the summer before my senior year of college, going home to Murray, Kentucky, and it was the summer, you know, Courtney and I had just gotten engaged about a, a month earlier, and he and I were driving around, and I was just talking about, you know, life and how excited I was to step into this next adventure with Court. And, and I remember we took this whole afternoon, and he just drove me all around Murray, all over West Tennessee, and he just showed me the places that, that he grew up in and the house that he grew up in, the fields that he played in, the creeks that he swam in. And I remember, just like an old man can do, you know, he stops in the middle of the road, and he looks at me, and he puts his hand on my shoulder, and he says, Brandon, I want you to know how proud I am of you. And if you've ever had one of these moments in life where someone just spoke over you and it just, it awoke something inside of you. 
You know, the reality is that our words are, are so impactful, that our words are so full of potential. And we all know this. It can be wielded for, for good. Our words can be, be, be wielded to, to build, people up, build people up, or our, our words can be yielded to or wielded to, to tear people down. Right, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says, the tongue has the power of life and death. That, that, that your words and my words have the ability to, to bring people up, to build people up, or to tear them down, to destroy them. And, and our words are highly impactful. And as I was reading through James chapter three this week, as, as I was just processing the words that he says, I'm like, James, bro, you're kind of pessimistic here. Like, you say a lot of like negatively bent things here. Like, why don't you concentrate on the, the building up? Why do you spend so much time talking about the, the, the darkness and the harshness of our words? And it's, because I believe he's wanting us to understand the power in our words, the power to bring life and the power to bring death. You know, I remember hearing the story about Abraham Lincoln. And you know, as president, you always have at least half the world that thinks you're doing a terrible job. And, and so you're, you're, you're gonna receive criticism. I remember hearing the story of, of him responding to his critics. And so what he would do so often is he would sit down and he would get out a piece of paper and he would respond to his critics. He would literally write a letter. And when he was done you know, saying his piece, He'd take that letter and he'd put it in his desk. He'd shut the drawer and he would sit on it for a while. And he realized that, that his words had power. Man, that, that his words, that he wanted to think, do I actually mean these words? Because when this leaves my mouth, when this leaves my desk, it's gonna do something in someone's heart. It's gonna build them up or it's gonna tear them down. And, and so I love what James does here. He walks us through this kind of difficult text and, and he does three things. He, he gives us a description of, of our tongues or he gives us a description of our language. Second thing he does is he gives us, a, a, the, he makes us aware of the duplicity in our language. And then I believe that the third thing he does is he invites us um, what, what to do with, with this. And so verses one through eight, this is what James, the brother of Jesus says. He says, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who's never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire. Listen to this, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. Welcome to Sunday Morning Ethos Church, right? This text, you know, James starts out and it seems like he's dissuading people from becoming teachers, right? And, and it's interesting because um, I think what he's doing is he's wanting us to understand that the, the person who's in charge teaching God's word is, is forming people's understanding of who God is and what God is like. So many people, I, I believe, man, they, you, you wanna get into teaching, man, this is happening in James's day, you wanna get into teaching for, for all the wrong reasons. For the prestige, man, for the notoriety, and I've been caught up in that too, so don't hear me pointing fingers. But the reality of what teaching is from a biblical stance is that your job is to help people know God, and there's a way to that. 
And he looks at us and he says, there's actually gonna be a stricter judgment for those who teach. And I don't believe that's supposed to scare us out of teaching. I don't believe if God has put a teaching gift in your life, it's not supposed to, to, to make you go, you know what, I'm not stepping into this. No, I think it's supposed to help us understand the seriousness of it and the weight that when we prepare, man, we pray and we press in, we bring these things before the Lord and we're really careful to make sure that we're actually representing the Lord. We're trying to get glory for the Lord, not for ourselves. He says, you will be judged stricter. And then he goes in and, and he says, if I'm just being honest, it feels like he says some pretty dramatic things here. He says, your whole tongue corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of your life on fire, is itself set on fire by hell to restless evil full of deadly poison. I'm like, whoa. Like, James, what, what's going on here? And, you know, we can get in and unpack all of this, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about your experience in life. And, and is it true that, that your words, like that, that this lines up with your actual words in life? And here's what I mean. I've started thinking about my life and my past and some of the things that have come out of my mouth. And I'm going, you know what, James? <laughs> it really does corrupt. And it really is like a, a restless evil. Like you're, you're absolutely right. I was reminded this time, I was actually talking to Soloway earlier this week, my senior year of high school, I played football. And I remember we were playing one of our rivals and in all game, I was just, just jabbing at this one guy, just running my mouth all, all game. I, and, 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 and I kind of knew him. We kind of had this, you know, I wouldn't call it a friendship, definitely not a friendship, but we, we knew each other. And I'm kind of running my mouth and, and taunting him all game. So we go into halftime, we're down 19 points. And we come back in the second half and we beat him. Just this amazing game, Brandon just running his mouth all game. And I remember we're walking through the line and I had my helmet off. You know, you're supposed to walk through the line with your helmet on. And, and I get to this guy, you know, shaking his hand and he literally tackles me. And he starts punching me in the head. No joke, like, you, you know, you, you can test my sources here. And, and, and I remember like, you know, that moment just being like, whoa, what happened? And I realized my mouth got me into a lot of trouble right there. This past week, I was, you know, get on Facebook to check people's birthdays. It's kind of a big deal to me. I want to make sure I know your birthday, remember your birthday. And so I get on to check. And, and I saw that my, my senior class, my, my friends, had created a, a Facebook group of, of our graduating class. And no joke, they were commenting about that game in that moment. And I'm reading that, and I'm just so unbelievably embarrassed. And I go, that's, what, that's the power of our words. <laughs> you know, 17 years later and, and things that came out of my mouth that started this fire and it just still hasn't subsided that forever my teammates are gonna remember me as a preacher now running my mouth. Whoa. You know, this, but it wasn't just something that distant past. It's something I experienced this week. I went down to Lubbock, Texas, you know, my former boss, um, was named the president of Lovett Christian University. And so we went down there to celebrate with him, Dave and Sam and I. And, and we, we got in the car um, on a Wednesday afternoon and, and I looked on the, the, you know, the car, the radio, and it, and it said Joel Osteen. And I'm like, Dave, you've been listening to Joel Osteen? And, and I immediately just start, start ripping on Joel Osteen. And here's the deal, I've never listened to a Joel Osteen sermon. I've never had a conversation with Joel Osteen. I've never read a book. I've heard lots of people's opinions and what they think about Joel Osteen. And I was so convicted. Here I am about to teach on the duplicity of our tongues, and yet here I am bashing another brother in Christ. And it just hit me. It was kind of like the Holy Spirit, like putting a bit in my mouth and like pulling the reins back, going, Brandon, do you see how deep this is in you? And it bothered me. 
it bothered me because this is something that, that, that I wrestle with, but also it's something that, that we, as God's people, I love that James says this. He says we, he doesn't say you, he's not pointing the finger. He's saying this is us. Wow. Duplicity. He gives us a description of our tongue. He, he then goes into talking about the duplicity of, 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 our, of our language. He says this in verses nine and 10. He says, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who've been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. James is not calling into question whether we praise God, right? He's calling into question what we're doing with our language when we're not praising God. You know, I thought Soloway just taught this masterful teaching last week on James chapter two, where he talked about the disconnect so often between our, what we say with our mouth and what we're doing with our lives. And his whole teaching was about bringing solidarity to, to our whole person, that the things that we do and the things that we say. And what I love what James chapter three, I think he's doing is he's trying to bring solidarity to our speech. That we don't just have like talk, right, with, with, with the, the way that you talk at, around your ethos at home gathering, around your church friends. And then when no one else is around, you talk so different or when you're not around your church friends, or maybe when you are around your church friends. And, and James, I believe, looks at us and he says, my brothers and sisters, you've got a divided tongue. You're duplicitous in how you're talking. He says you praise God and you curse your brother's sister. And so I'd, I was really in, 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 drawn in by this word cursing this week, and I was curious, I'm going, man, is, is that just kind of a blanket term that he's using to describe like, you know, gossip and slander and all the lying, and all the boasting, all those things that we know are not good about our language? And, and as I got in this week, what I realized about cursing is, um, cursing is, is asking and wanting God to cut people off from God. Like at the core of, of what cursing is, is that you wanting God to send someone else to hell. And I was reading through this this week going, man, do, like, is that true? Like, most of us go, man, that's not me. Like, that's not the extreme of what, I, like, I don't really want that. Like, that's not my intentions. That's not what I'm really, like, I don't want anyone to be separated from God, like, separated from his grace, forever separate. Like, we don't want that. And I, and I agree with that for, for most of us. I go, but, but it makes me question, well, well, then why do we gossip? And why do we slander? Man, if, if we're not wanting God to cut people off from his presence, like, and I'd argue that that's not what we want, then what are we doing? <laughs> Guys, what are we doing? Man, does it, does it make us feel better about ourselves to put other people down? Does it make us feel better when we compare ourselves? Did it make me feel better to compare myself to Joe Osteen that I'm so sincere and so authentic? Like what is going on in us that makes us do this? And, and I was convicted this week that, that every word that we speak, God sees and God hears. Do you realize that? The Father of us all, the Father who created us all, who brought us into existence, our Heavenly Father, He sees and He hears every word that you say about another one of His children. You know, our next door neighbor, they have a kid a couple years older than my kid, and he comes over. And I started to notice that he talks differently when, when he thinks I'm listening, right? When I'm sitting outside, he'll talk differently. When I go inside, the windows are open so we can still listen, and he'll talk differently. And I go, man, we do that with God. Man, I, I think that we, we forget that, that, that God isn't always listening. We have this ability to kind of like zone out, black out, pretend like God's not listening, or maybe we just don't care that God's listening. 
I go, guys, God is always listening. And it's not just that he's always listening, that every single person is made in his image. That every person in this world is someone that Christ thought valuable enough to die for. They're immensely valuable to him. Guys, our purpose in this life is to partner with God to bring every single person into a life-changing relationship with Jesus. A reminder of the words of Jesus. He says, whoever is not for us is against us. Whoever is not gathered with us scatters. And I go, I wonder how many of us, we think that we're with Jesus, we think that we're gathering, but we're actually scattering. You know what happens when, when you're using your words to tear other, others down? It actually tears you down. It, it actually destroys you. you. You and I, we are divided people. You know what it says about you when you gossip and you slander? It says that we are not trustworthy people. That's what it says. That's what it reveals. But it's not just about our lips. What the Lord was taking me in this week is it so much deeper than what comes out of our, our mouths. This is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 15. He says, by the things that come out of your person's mouth, they come from the heart. For out of the heart come evil thoughts. Murder, adultery, immorality, stealing, lying, slander. And the Lord is reminding me, yeah, it's, the issue is our tongue. That's so often where the, the things manifest, but the issue is, is that it's much deeper than that. It's in our heart. So Jesus descri- or James describes the tongue. He, he reveals the duplicitous. And if you're feeling like me, you're like, man, this is so depressing. Like, I'm going to tune in someone else next week. Like, let Aaron or Joshua Dave preach. And, 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 and here is, he, he, here's the redemption of it. I think he gives us some, some real clear steps on what to do. So in verse 8, I don't know if you notice this detail or not, but this is what James says. He says, no one can tame the human tongue. And I actually think that that's not supposed to be depressing. That's supposed to stir up this desire, this thankfulness in us for Jesus. That Jesus said this, that with with man, it's not possible. With God, all things are possible. I think that's what he's trying to get at here. That you cannot do it by yourself. You can't tame your tongue. You can't change your heart. It's the work that God through the Holy Spirit has to do in every single one of us. And so as I was thinking about, man, how to land this plane, I felt the Lord just really wanting to, to call to those of you who are not his children. Yeah, you were created in his image, but, but you have no relationship with Jesus. You're not living in the Father's house. You're not enjoying the, the fruits of hearing his voice and being taken care of and, 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 and letting him speak his identity. You're, you're living like an orphan child and the Father wants all of his kids to come home. And I was reminded that, that so often, man, when, when, when we're convicted about this, the way that we're talking, so often we go into the behavior modification. But the reality is that you can't behavior modify your heart. And for those of you who are, are not followers of Jesus, you, you need a new heart. Several months ago, there's a family friend of ours, and, and they, his, wife, his husband and his wife were, were pregnant. And, and during the pregnancy, they realized that the child that was in utero um, was going to have to have a heart transplant. That the heart that this kid was going to be born with was not sufficient for this kid to live. So that's some hard things to to live with. And, And I say that this morning because I go, man, so many of us, you just need to know. That, that, you, that you need a new heart. And that's, that is hard for me to say, but you, you need a new heart. And the good news is, 
is that Jesus has come to give you a new heart. He says this in Jeremiah 31. He says this in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. He says, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. And my invitation to you this morning, if you're not a follower of Jesus, is to give your life to him. To let him put a new heart in you. To let him put the Holy Spirit inside of you, the spirit that brings about fruit, uh, the fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. You wanna know one reason why you don't have self-control? Because you haven't been transformed. You haven't been given the new heart by God that God longs to give to you. And I want to invite those of you who not follow Jesus, give your life to him. Let him give you a new heart. For those of you that are followers of Jesus, man, the, the call for us is, is to be uniform in our speech, for there to be solidarity in what we say, that we're not people of divided speech, that, that praise the Lord in one breath and then, then tear down people in the next. Guys, come near to God. And when you understand, you know, I, I, I'm guessing is that some of you are probably experiencing some conviction right now over the way that you've been talking. And, and so often our conviction, man, we just want to hide, we want to run. And the fact that you, you need to know this, Jesus is inviting you to come closer, not to run from him. He longs to cover you with his grace only when you understand, when you get a fresh dose of his grace. It's only then that you're prepared to live in his purposes. You see, I believe that when you experience the grace of Jesus, when he puts you in his family, he also puts you in the family business. And our job in the family of God is to help people take steps towards Jesus, not steps away from him. As God's people, we don't want to do anything or say anything that would push people further away from Jesus. You know, the world and the enemy and everything else is working against people to push them from. And I go, man, it is our job to build people up, to bless them with our words, to live this undivided life. So here in just a minute, we're gonna throw up the communion slide and we're gonna give you some time to, to process this in the groups all across the, the city. And, and I just wanna invite you, man. How is the Holy Spirit inviting you to take the next step? You know, for some of you, man, give your life to Jesus. If you wanna be baptized, you wanna be filled with Spirit, you wanna be given a new heart, send us an email today, share at ethoschurch.org. And I'm telling you, God will literally, he'll change the way you see the world but you have to let God touch you. You have to let God change your heart. Some of you, man, you're, you're feeling conviction. You just need to confess. You don't need to sit in this guilt and shame. You need to confess to the Lord. Maybe you need to confess to others. You need to own it and just to ask God, God, would you help me? You know, this week, as, as I was talking about Joel Osteen, I felt this deep conviction in my heart, and, and part of it was sad over what I'd done, but the other part was, man, I was just sad because I know that, that these moments are gonna come up again, and I'm gonna be tempted to talk about someone or, or to elevate myself and to put them down. And the Lord was just reminding me, Brandon, I'm gonna slow those moments down for you, and I'm there with you, and I'll be there to help you. So some of you, man, you need to just confess. Some of you, uh, you, you need to, to step into freedom prayer. You know, freedom prayer is, it's all about dealing with the heart. And some of you, man, you're followers of Jesus, but you've got so much bitterness and anger and resentment in your heart that is keeping you from living the life that Christ created and died for you to live. Freedom prayer, all it is, it's, it's a group of two or three other trusted men or women in our church family that sit with you and they facilitate a prayer time where God just points out the things in your life that are keeping you from him. And he does it so kindly and so compassionately. And, and it might sound scary, but it's not. The, the enemy is working his hardest to keep you from this place. I believe that if you'll step in, God will free you. I invite you to sign up for freedom prayer. You can do this on our website. And I wanna speak just real quickly because I know that some of you, 
You know, as I was talking about praising and cursing, and, and cursing is this idea that, that, you, that, that you want people to be separated from God, and, and the reality is that some of you, you might actually feel that in your heart. And I don't know what it is that's been done to you, and I don't want to undermine that, and so forgive me if this comes off as insensitive, but I know that if you hold on to bitterness and anger and hatred, it is going to destroy you. And I don't want that for you. And God doesn't want that for you. And you need some help. Step into freedom prayer. Step into counseling. Whatever it is that's keeping you back, let the Lord have it. And so some need to give their life to Jesus. Some need to confess. Some need to step into freedom prayer. You know, for all of us, man, we need to be quick to repent. And I went back and forth about um, if I should share this or not, but I think I should. Our church um, was, was having lunch with Crosspoint staff several months ago. And Kevin Queens, you know, the lead pastor over at Crosspoint, and he and Dave were talking, kind of facilitating this time. And Kevin said something, and, um, and, 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 and he said it, and man, instantly, you know, he felt conviction. And so he just stopped, the, like the whole conversation, he said, you know what? He says, I wanna just repent of what I just did right there. That I did something and I said something I'm not proud of, and I just wanna own it. And I came up to him afterwards, I'm not even good friends with Kevin, you know, I like Kevin, think highly of him, but he and I aren't super close. And I said, man, that meant so much to see you in the midst of all these leaders, in the midst of your people, just to say, you know what, I'm, I don't like what I did just there. And I go, we don't need less of that, we need more of that church. Or when we find ourselves saying things, we need the Holy Spirit to convict us, not and go, man, I wish I would've done something different. We need the Holy Spirit to convict us in that moment and to make things right quickly with the people around us so that people understand it's not okay for us to talk like that. And we're not gonna talk like that. And for all of us, man, let's have confidence that the Lord is with us to help us. He's with us, He wants us. Remember, this is about relationship. He's not coming down hard. He's not wanting to keep us, to keep us out, man. He's wanting to call us in. He wants us to look just like Him in this world. So I'm gonna pray for us, and I encourage you, we're gonna throw this communion slide up. What steps the Holy Spirit inviting you to take? Let's dig in. And so, Lord, thank you for your word. God, if there was anything that I said or did that was not in line with your heart or your word, would you please let it be forgotten and forgiven? And the Lord, the, the words that were from you, the pure seeds, God, would they bear so much fruit in our lives? God, I imagine a day where your people are so distinct in language from the ways of the world that when the world looks at us, they go, man, you know what? Those are people that honor Jesus and that honor people. And they speak blessing, and they speak words of life, and they speak encouragement. And so, Jesus, I, I pray that you would release that on our church family. This just greater desire for us to speak one language, that we would have one genre, and it would only be blessing. And so, Holy Spirit, help us. And we glorify you, and we need your forgiveness, and we need your help. And so, pour into us as we talk right now. Give us courage to bring things into the light. And Jesus, bring grace and mercy and overflow, God. People who have the courage to confess sin, God, let your strong hand of grace come upon them. Lift them up, God. Send them out this week. We love you, God. Use us this week. May, we, may our words be a blessing to the lost. May we testify to what you're doing. God, may the, the words of our mouths May the meditations of our hearts, Psalm 19, be pleasing in your sight, O oh Lord, our rock and redeemer. In the name of Jesus, your people pray all over the city, all over the world. Amen. Let's take communion now.